Welcome to the From Daily Podcast, where we give you a little bit of Eric Fromm and some encouragement for your personal growth journey every day. I'm your host, Lacey Delane, and I am super glad to have you for another episode of From Daily. Welcome. I hope you're doing well. This week, we are talking about what life was like before modern society. Why? Because it actually gives us a very good picture of how our environment affects who we are and how our environment affects how we are. And also, have you ever struggled with making a big decision? Yeah, me too. I'm going to share with you this week what I've learned about healthy decision making. And on Friday, I'll share the most helpful tool I've learned for making decisions. Um, And for making decisions that I'm pleased with afterward and that I don't end up regretting. So let's get into it. This week, I'll be reading from, from his book, The Anatomy of Human Destructiveness. All right, so I'm going to get into it. Um, From is talking in this book and in this section of the book that I'm going to read to you today about anthropology, and he's painting the picture of how different societies from different times in history um, produce different types of people, okay? Um, And he has just finished a section um, where he talks about um, the Neolithic Revolution and um, a little bit about prehistoric societies. All right, so I'm going to start reading his words now. This picture of the mode of production and social organization of hunters, a Neolithic agriculturalist, is quite suggestive in regard to certain psychical traits that are generally supposed to be an intrinsic part of human nature. He's saying everything that he's written previous and what we're about to read um, is very suggestive. It tells us a lot about certain traits that are within us that are you know, psychical, so of the psyche, um, of psychology, of our mind, and of who we are, kind of our personality. And those traits are supposed to be an intrinsic part of human nature. But as he has shown previously in this section and will continue to show, that might be something we need to to question a little bit. Okay, he goes on to say, prehistoric hunters and agriculturalists had no opportunity to develop a passionate striving for property or envy of the haves because there was there was no private property to hold on to and no important economic differences to even cause envy. On the contrary, their way of life was conducive to the development of cooperation and peaceful living. I really, really love this theme, this example, Um, to help us all see why society is sick, help us all see what's going on in the way we're doing life that's actually causing us harm, that's actually causing us to have less well-being, okay? So he's saying that their way of life was actually something that generated it, fostered cooperation, peaceful living. Why? Because there was no private property. There wasn't any private property. That wasn't even a thing. They didn't really have a bunch of stuff 
to envy each other over. Now, what are you talking about, Lacey? What am I talking about? And you might be thinking, what are you talking about, Lacey? Well, the way people lived in hunter-gatherer societies and early agriculture, early agricultural societies, was that they um, shared everything. It was very egalitarian. And there was not really a need or a value for hoarding or, you know, gaining a lot of things and holding it and, and competing. There was actually incentive for sharing and cooperating and living peacefully. Why? Because, well, there may be multiple reasons, but, but one of the primary reasons is it was the easiest way for them to continue to survive and to live. I'm going to continue reading from now. There was no basis for the formulation of the desire to exploit other human beings. That's the other thing. There was no need for that. There was no context for exploiting. Why? Because everybody just shared and worked together. There was no um, situation in which a human, one of the humans then would want to compete with another human because they were sharing. Uh, Frome goes on to say, the idea of exploiting another person's physical or psychical energy for one's own purposes is absurd in a society where economically and socially there is no basis for exploitation. There's no basis for competition. There's no basis for using another human as a means to your own end. Because why? Because everything is shared. That is not the value of the society. Um, the value of the society is not accumulating and garnering your own wealth or your own things. Um, Fromm goes on to say, the impulse to control others also had little chance to develop. This is big. Uh, these are my words. This is big. And I want you to pay attention to what he's saying here and see if you can see how it really does apply and uh, to our modern society. He goes on to say, the primitive band society and probably prehistoric hunters since about 50,000 years ago were fundamentally different from civilized society. And you know what? Christopher Ryan, who wrote Civilized to Death and Sex at Dawn, would say that maybe even further back, the most of human history, we lived in this primitive band society, uh, in this hunter-gatherer type um, approach to life. And um, those values and those societies were fundamentally different from modern society. Rome goes on to say, precisely because human relations were not governed by the principles of control and power. I think this is a very, very important point. They were not governed by the principles of control and power. Think about what things in your day-to-day -day life um, are things that are actually controlled or directed or facilitated by control and power. Um, corporations, government, uh, even how kids go to school, how they are in school. Um, even sometimes the way we raise kids is really more about controlling their behavior than it is about them being genuinely who they are. Fromm goes on to say, um, 
their functioning depended on mutuality. Okay, so he's talking back about the hunter-gatherer societies. Instead of being about control and power, it was about mutuality. That's how they got by, was, was doing things mutually. An individual endowed with the passion for control would have been a social failure and without influence. And my words now, on the contrary, now we see that it's like how as hungry as you are for control and power is as successful as you're probably going to be in our current modern society. All right, back to Fromm's words. Finally, there was little incentive for the development of greed since production and consumption were stabilized at a certain level. Okay, so he also continues here to say, um, like ask, okay, so does that mean that um, possessiveness, exploitation, greed, and envy didn't exist and are just we're just like exclusively products of civilization. And he says, uh, he says, it does not seem to me that such a sweeping statement can be made. We do not have enough data to substantiate it, nor is it likely to be correct on theoretical grounds since individual factors will engender these vices and some individuals even in the most favorable circumstances. He's saying, it's not fair to make that that draw that conclusion because he's seen in his life and his work as a sociologist and psychoanalyst that um, even folks who are in the most favorable of circumstances still uh, have, um, you know, they, they still develop possessiveness, exploitation, greed. So it's, we don't have full evidence on a scientific level to be able to make this explicit statement that the only reason that that, uh, that passion of possessiveness, exploitation, greed, and envy um, was there is because of the environment. But he goes on to say, there is a great difference between cultures which foster and encourage greed, envy, and exploitativeness by their social structure and cultures which do the opposite. He's saying there's a great difference between a culture that says, hey, go be exploitive, go be greedy, go be envy, just based on the way that the society is set up versus cultures like the hunter-gatherer societies, which uh, foster cooperation, uh, peacefulness, um, working together, um, you know, and, and don't have this value for accumulation and thus the, you know, ensuing competition and, and frustration and envy that comes along with it. I think it's very clear um, that our culture is much more competitive. It's much more about owning and having and being better than, than it is about cooperating. And I think that is a thread that is common through media through um our goals and what it means to be successful in society um i think if you look at what we look at for entertainment you can see that competition is is like number one you got to be better than the other guy you got to be the best you got to win um and that just wasn't a thing amongst hunter gatherer societies all right this week for your encouragement decision making Wow, it's a big one. And making big decisions can be terribly difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 
tough. You know what? I was a disaster at making decisions for a long time. I couldn't decide things without asking like 8 million people what their opinion was and then making a decision based on that, based on what they said. The reality was I wasn't in touch with myself enough to know what I truly felt and thus to make a decision in line with what I truly wanted. So step one to healthy decision-making is what we talked about last week, self-awareness. All right, hopefully I've given you some tools um, to build your self-awareness in the post that I left on Friday. But I will say that it wasn't some... It wasn't until sometime after being in therapy, working and becoming more um, aware of how I was feeling that I realized that the pattern of my behavior was to like go to multiple people when I was doubting myself on a decision and hope to get affirmation on it from other people. Like I needed someone outside of myself to affirm the decision I wanted to make in order to make it. And sometimes if I didn't get that, I would not make the decision that I was thinking was best um, because I didn't get the affirmation. Not a great way to go about decision making, especially big decisions and doesn't lead to a very productive, um, you know, decision making model or future uh, or, or circumstances for after the decision. The nugget I have for you on this theme today is that first we observe and collect data. Data, you might ask? Yes, data. Get some information first. If it's a new job or a dating situation, you need to know everything you need to know in order to say, yes, this is a good fit for me or no, it's not a good fit for me. So first, the most important thing is get information. Tomorrow, I'll tell you more about how you can do that. And Friday, I'm going to share with you the number one thing I have learned to do to help me make a big decision. For now, I'll say goodbye. If you want more From content, check out FromDaily.com. That's From with two M's, F-R-O-M-M-D-A-I-L-Y dot C-O-M. To access our Friday episodes, become a paid subscriber of the From Daily Substack. Paid subscribers have access to our weekly personal growth support group hosted by yours truly Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern time live. Weekly Substack chats Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern are open to free and paid subscribers alike. See you there. I hope your day brings you lots of new experiences from which to learn and grow and you find the value in them. And regardless of where you are in your journey, I'm proud of you. You're in the process of growth, and that's what counts. Yeah, yeah. I'm Lacey Delane signing off. See you next time on Rethinking Humanities from Daily Podcast.